Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of Tiger Pops Podcast. And today I am joined by Cedra and Rebecca, and I'll let these lovely ladies introduce themselves. Uh, hi, so my name's uh, Isidra, and um, I like people to call me Cedra just for the easier uh, way of saying my name. But um, I live in Texas, and um, I'm a law enforcement officer here in Texas, so uh, definitely, uh, you know, reading. Midnight Poppy is just a way of kind of relieving my stress and uh, kind of dive into a different world and not have to think about my real world. <laughs> and we're definitely going to be asking you for your perspective as a law enforcement officer on on the gangs, on Prof- Inspector Lane, and we, we're very curious on hearing that. So thanks for joining us for this. Oh, no worries. My name is Rebecca Darby. Uh, I am 45. I am currently based in Germany uh, and I work as a mild-mannered translator. (laughs) 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 Uh, I I get to work freelance from home. uh, So uh, the uh, pandemic lockdown has made very very little difference to my life. I'm pleased (laughs) to say. (laughs) I'm sure that's quite different for, for both of you. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it's, uh, I, I kind of have the, uh, my, my days kind of get a little bit squishy. It gets a little bit hard to tell what day is what and what, you know, what's, what's happening. Uh, weekdays, weekends, a bit nominal. Um, so it's nice to have something to, you know, sort of stick a pin in and sort of say, okay, it's Saturday morning. I get my, yes, I get to have my, I get to. Uh, theorize and and tinfoil hat to my heart's content because by Saturday morning my time it's about three at least three hours usually a bit more um, after the episode releases so people have had a chance to to put their opinions up on Patreon yeah um, which I enjoy enormously and then I get to comment on everybody else's posts and uh, <laughs> add in the things that haven't been said so much yet. Yes, I agree with you, Rebecca. Yeah, this is a good way to kind of just lose yourself into it into a whole new other different world, especially with the pandemic going on. Yeah. Yeah. And relate. Yeah. 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 It's really nice to that. I mean, you know, these people are, um, are, as I was saying, miles away from my life. You know, not not just their their sort of environment, but also age. You know, I'm I'm in my 40s. These people are in their 20s. You know, I could be their parent, basically. Which is something I try not to think about too hard. <laughs> I noticed we were going to mention we we chatted a little bit about Goliath before, and I realized Goliath just seems I can't have any romantic interest in him because he's so young. He's, some of the people are just too young for me. Tora, I mean, I, at this point, I've realized like I don't. But at this point of the story, where in, in real life we're a little bit far ahead, I've reached the point where I'm not goo goo gaga over him. I'm more like I sympathize with him. Plus, I recognize I would never be able to be in a relationship with that kind of personality. Forget the mafia thing. It, he's a little bit too tough for me, and I'm a uh, I like sweetie pies. <laughs> I'm more like I can only get along with clients sweetie pies. To my you know to my for better or for worse, that's the kind of man I mesh with. And um, but in any case, so I, I've moved. I don't see Tora as like a just like a hot body or something like that. 
um, which I hope none of us do because we're all, you know, we understand him as a person as, as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> Eye um, candy. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, they are, they obviously are, and, like, we, we're getting so many beautiful people these days, but, um, but, but yeah, but, some, but I think that a big thing is that we're, we're older. I mean, I'm 31, and you, if, especially with Poppy, I see, like, the, she's 21, and she's at the age where she's really figuring herself out and trying to, you know, she's moving to the city, and she's trying to adjust and reach success in her life, and, like, who is she, where is she, what is she doing, and we really, I think that being older, like, I recognize our younger selves there. Oh, yeah, definitely, because I'm 35, and like you said, you know, these characters that we're kind of seeing, you know, you kind of sympathize with them, you you see them for what they're kind of growing up to be as, you know, young adults and what they're going through in their situations of their lives, but, um, yeah, being 35, I mean, he's, you know, Taurus, eye candy, Goliath, you know, we've had a kind of a what he may possibly look like, Um based on the characters that Lily has, you know, kind of drawn out, and she does a really good job of putting so much on her work with with all the characters and what they look like how they would look like if you saw them in real life um but yeah definitely you know i don't see them in in that way of me wanting to date somebody like that but you like you say you get to see you know from poppy you know how she's 21 moving to the city you know she's doing her young adult life like challenges are coming up ahead and she's learning from them yeah yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, the other um, aspect for me is that uh, I don't necessarily um, see myself in Poppy so much. I relate strongly to Torah in terms of mm -hmm. the kind of personality that he shows. You know, it's, um, I was mentioning before, you know, an introvert thing, that's definitely me. Um, but also the sort of, you know, staying back a little bit, watching people a li little bit. The power games, yeah, I do that. <laughs> the thing right. I do say is uh, the the short person game, um, and uh, you know that's that's also something we've mentioned before. Um, you know the the way that I approach uh, you know people and the world as somebody who's only five foot three. You know that's that to me is very relatable. Um, uh, in, in you know her experiences, I don't kind of get to play the cute little girl so much anymore. <laughs> it's, sort of a little bit in my past um but you know I, I still get it and I still understand it so um yeah I I think they're very um very well drawn people or mm -hmm. characters um and you know not not just the main characters but also all the side characters seem fully fleshed out they're not there to deliver plot points mm -hmm. but they are um they have their own motivations, their own interests. They want things from the main characters. They're constantly trying to get the main characters to do things for them and to operate within their motivations and, and desires and, and all these things. And it just makes it so interesting. You know, it can't be easy to plot and, and write just because everybody has so much going on mm -hmm. um, that, you know, you've constantly got to bear in mind, right? Yeah, for sure. It's um, one of the, my hobbies is, and my, my hopeful goals is um, screenwriting. So I read a lot of screenwriting wow. books. And one of the main things they say is when you develop a character, <clears throat> you have to know that character inside out. You have to understand when that character wakes up in the morning, what are they thinking? What propels them? What motivates them? What are their desires? What are their goals? What are their needs? What are their wants? What's their history? What's their background? What's their emotional way of relating to the world? How was their mother? How was their father? What was their socialization like in school? Like everything. And I really understand, you know, I don't know how Lily approaches her writing process, but it's clear that they they all have, like you said, developed personalities. They have their needs. They have their desires. And so much so, you were saying that you relate you know, to Torah. 
um, like the character that I think I'm the most like is, is the side character, right? Or Dean. And like, she's fleshed out enough where I can say I'm like the side character, you know, you know, I'm <laughs> very extroverted, very confident, very brash, outgoing, a little, <laughs> a little weird. So uh, <laughs> yeah, how about you, Cedra? Is there, a, is there a character that you feel speaks to you the most as you I don't um, I haven't um, I, I, I can't find myself with with just a specific character just yet just because um, Poppy she's very girly definitely not me uh, obviously with my kind of line of work um, Tora you know that's the type of people we deal with all the time um, so <laughs> yeah I, I still I still haven't found the character that I can kind of relate or kind of be like okay yeah that's totally me so yeah not yet but do you, do you see people that you recognize from, like, you know, your friends or people, your colleagues or people like that? Do, do you um, think yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terms? Oh, yeah. There definitely is uh, some characteristics that, you know, I've seen in some of my, uh, whether it's my coworkers or friends, um, especially like with Poppy, you know, I do have my, my best friends that I could be like, oh, yeah, that's, that would totally be her. Um, and not necessarily Torah, not not just yet, because he's still kind of very mysterious here. You know, we're in episode eleven. You know, we we still don't know a lot about him. Um, obviously, I know more because I've read everything up to date. But um, as of right now, yeah, no, I'm gonna say not yet. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, Lily keeps introducing new characters, so there's always a chance. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into the episode. So we are up to episode 11. And what we finished off with in um, episode 10 was where this young man, I actually forgot his name because I just skimmed through the last episode. Did we get a name for him? I don't think we did, honestly. No. Because no. I looked okay. at we, we, we get a bit of characterization by what he says, but I don't think his yeah. name's ever mentioned. Yeah. So young, rude, ingrateful, disrespectful <laughs> punk. That's what Very we're going to call him. Yes. With the green hair. He is at his mom's place. His mom is, she owns this waffle house. And she, she asked him to move stuff out, to help her move out. He did it only because he wanted to get something to pawn so he could get drugs. Um, he totally disrespects his mother. He doesn't care about anything. But while he's there, he discovers this uh, picture and he discovers the box that used to belong to what his mom says is Goliath. Now, Goliath is the one who used to be close to Torah who sold him out. And... This guy is really impressed when he, she says that it was Goliath. He says that he says that guy Goliath is a legend. Start as his speech done, and you see a, a focus, a panel of just his hand. He has on his right hand, he has this ace of spades tattoo, large tattoo right on his hand. And he's playing poker. He's playing, well, he's gambling. I don't know what game he's playing. Someone, one second. Somebody said this. This wasn't announced. I don't remember who it was. Um, possibly Patty. Said that I think what he's playing is roulette, which is high risk, low stakes, or was it the reverse? Gosh, it was a really good analysis. I'm so sorry. I really forget like what it was, but it was something like there was a long analysis. Do you remember what I'm talking about, Rebecca? No, but I'm I'm scrolling down this episode and it does like like look like a roulette table that he's betting on. Uh, and he has a lot of stacks, so he's obviously doing well at this. Yeah, and he has these he has the rings that are similar to what Tora wears on his index on his middle finger. He has two rings, two of those big large metal bands. Mm-hmm. He wears a chain around his neck. He's got this dragon tattoo peeking out on the right side of his chest. And he says he clawed his way to the top in just a few years. So if you learn from his behavior right away, he clawed his way to the top. So, you know, in an and perhaps in an unethical way, obviously I mean, this is a gang, right? But he's a powerful person. He's at the top. Now, here's this panel, which we're going to talk about here. We, um, 
when we first read this panel, we didn't see the details we should have. So I'm just going to yeah. say, we don't want to give too much away. Notice everything in this panel, because what he's doing is he's got this amazing blue hair, right? Beautiful 90s haircut, which as a girl of the 90s, that oh. is the only proper hairstyle for a man. Yeah. <laughs> and he has two women. He's at a, at a gambling table, a roulette table, right? He's got, like you said, a lot of stacks. And he's leaning down. He has this belt with a gold like symbol at his, um, you know, in the middle. He's wearing a vest. Yeah. He's wearing a fancy outfit. He cares about his appearance. He's has this fancy watch peeking out of his on his right wrist, and he has two women, two beautiful women next to him. You know, this is like the classic trope. You know, a guy, rich guy with his beautiful women around him, just like fawning over him. So one woman is faceless. She's got blonde hair and like this dark maroon dress, and one woman is not faceless. She has right. sort of light blonde hair and grayish green that Your sound's gone a little bit wrong. Yeah, I don't know where that's from. But anyway, but, but, so, but, but, but. yeah, so this other woman, she has this wine glass in her hand and she's touching him on the shoulder. She's like got her hand on his shoulder in the right hand. She has this mm, serious look on her face. And somebody pointed out she has, you know, these red painted daggers. <laughs> she has <laughs> her nine fingers. <laughs> are painted red so just saying keep it in mind this lady might be important later we still don't know yet we as of the time of the recording we're up to episode like 43 i think right we don't know we still don't know who this woman is but we suspect she's important that will tell you that much right <laughs> and also i mean you know we can read certain things uh, about her from um you know how from just from this one panel you know She's not fawning over him. Mm-hmm. She she looks rather more domineering or possessive with her hand on his shoulder. And, um, you know, I wonder whether she's about to say something, has just said, said something, is trying to influence his betting. You know, it's that kind of a pose that she has there. You know, she's she's obviously powerful in some way, is my, my read on, on, you know, her stance and and the interaction, the body language between them. Right. You know, she's, she's not a nobody. She's not a little girly at all. Yeah. And Lily right. does a really good job with that because, you know, whenever she draws her panels, um, you, you kind of have to be very careful with what you're looking at and how fast you're scrolling. Cause I know we all get in, caught up into the episode. And we're just reading, 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 but you have to take your time. If you are just now reading this or you're getting into, you know, everything that, that you're reading online about this, but she doesn't just put a face on one person for no reason. Um, you know, why only her, the posture she's, you know, kind of presenting herself shoulders back, you know, most women or most people when they don't want to be talked to, you kind of end up putting your show, you know, body language says a lot. And that's, you know, same for, for us. I mean, even him, I mean, look how confident he is just leaning over it about to, you know, the stack that he has in his hand um, tattoos. I mean, he's not afraid to show his tattoo that you, we clearly see something there on his, you know, chest. And even in his, you know, obviously his hand is, is yeah. kind of there, but you know, just the way that they're standing, the way that they look very confident says a lot in that one panel. Yeah. The thing is, uh, you know, it's, it's not super clear here because of the perspective, but I think we we can surmise from other photos and, and also if we sort of, you know, imagine a bit, he's not a tall man. 
you know he just isn't he's not your your sort of taurus six three at no, all i, didn't think I would that. say he's prop if he's her height i'd be surprised i think he's a little bit shorter than her and yet as you say he has this really confident air about him you know mm -hmm. he knows who he is he's he's winning the game um and um you know just above it the words they clawed his way to the top in just a few years you know he's used to succeeding one way or another, from, from that comment, one way or another, he's going to succeed at what he wants. Right. Yeah. Right. Determined, ruthless, hardworking, yeah. must be clever. You can see why he was an appropriate friend for, for Torah. Yeah. Yes. Why they were cool. And here's the other question, right, which we're probably going to discuss when we get to episode 10, which is going to be a little later. What's their relationship? Because a lot of people have said, you know, they look like they have a very similar eye color and skin color and yes. facial structure and eyebrows. So what is their relationship? Because it was for sure close. Do they have any blood connection? They, we know from a little bit later on, uh, I guess hopefully it's okay. We, well, you know, okay, I won't say, but what's their relationship? I'm not going to say there's a, there's a hint later about um, their relationship when they were younger. I'm not going to get into that a little bit, but mm -hmm. they have some kind of link on what is it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, reading on Patreon, you know, people putting, oh, you know, are they brothers? Are they cousins? I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they are related, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they're not. But just because they, you know, we know they have some kind of relationship. So their similarities and how they look, you know, same with me when I was in high school, uh, me and my good friend, we would always be together. People at some point thought we were cousins. But it was just the mannerisms that we learned from each other from being, you know, always together. So that might just be what a representation on here is. So, yeah. Right. Very true. So, and, you know, this uh, rude guy continues, you know, every gang boss wanted him in their clang at one point. And then a few days ago, he went missing. And there's this blood in the background. It's black background with blood. So the implication of violently went missing. Yeah. But he left yeah. some notebook behind that everyone's been looking for. And then, you know, and, the and then notebook. Oh my God, the <laughs> notebook. I mean, you know, we've spent so much time discussing this notebook. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like almost every episode, there's something about it that brings us back to the central issue of the notebook. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're at episode 43 and we still haven't resolved it. <laughs> I know, right? But we know there's that notebook. <laughs> Right. And then here is their, this recording. Modi Suzuki, he's re it was recorded in the Aries Street warehouse to be discussed corporation. doesn't tell you where. And then he says, could this DVD have anything to do with it? And here's the question. I'm wondering why did, would Goliath, Goliath, he's not stupid, right? Why would he leave this DVD in a place where he used to work? So this is, there's been a lot of theories and I'm not quite sure how much I should say because, but I don't think any of these theories are, um, are, are bringing out stuff on later episodes, but, you know, was some theories that people have had is, is Goliath trying to contact Torah in a way um, with his, with his reaching out and with the notebook, is it some kind of message um, to Torah? And we also know that um, Torah was apprehended by the by the police because of Goliath and you know he sold him out and we we have been wondering if Torah is a double agent and we're wondering if this is if he and Goliath are working together in a way that we don't know yet right or if they or if Goliath is trying to reach out to to work together with him and if this is all this him leaving his recordings in some random Waffle House is that intentional and deliberate right you know when I when I first read this episode long time ago because you know i've tried to read as much as i can for this uh, uh midnight poppy but um you know 
when you leave something behind that's just because this is one cd it's, it's not like numerous amounts of information it's just one cd we don't know what's on there we don't know how much recording is on there but for me when i read this i i assumed it was kind of like this cd is the one thing that i can keep here safely because he used to work at that waffle house so he probably assumed that i'm gonna stash this here as a safekeeping and when i need it i know exactly where to go because he knows who this you know lady was he worked there before why not stash something where you used to work where she i mean like she didn't even know this was in there she knew there was stuff of his there and he probably said oh i'm just leaving a couple of things but this specific item obviously was something that he didn't think anybody would find. So that's probably why he stashed it. I mean, that's my theory on it. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, and I also think, yeah, it, it feels like a backup copy, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the, the, you know, second copy that I'm stashing somewhere. The other thing to bear in mind is that he's not expecting to be captured or to be in any physical danger at all. If you think back to episode one, He's in a panic. He's contacting Toro. He's the only person he can think of to, to help him deal with whatever he's doing, facing in, in Moonbride. Um, and so he, I don't think he imagined that anybody would be after him and, and, you know, tracing his locations and his stashes and, you know, all of those things. So I think he thinks of the Waffle House as a safe place where he can just, you know, keep, bits of data that he might need later and i don't think he's consciously thinking about it yeah and then you know there's there's that trouble brewing right right and i mean also goliath has been um you know as you said if he's been so successful in getting his way to the top he's probably pretty cocky and you know people his his age especially they don't think anything's going to happen to them they think that they're impervious and you know that they're going to be successful all the time yeah, right. and like, and, and it's like how this panel says that you know he had to cl- he clawed his way to the top. Meaning, I'm sure he thought about everything that maybe could happen and kind of have all his eggs lined up in a sense. Um, and maybe this was just kind of one of those things where like if something happens, I can go. This somebody will find this. Somebody will know maybe what happened to me or or what what's the real issue on what's going on. So. Well, so this guy, then he goes, rude, rude person, says, hey, old lady, again, that's how he speaks to his mother, like, oh my goodness, so I'm going now, go crazy, yeah, um, I'm a mother, right, and like, if my kid talked to me, I, oh my god, no, my kid would be like, out on the porch, anyway, <laughs> I'm going out now, clean your shit up yourself, and, the, you know, she's angry, what, you promised you would help, and meanwhile, he just totally is ignoring her, he's calling his friend, Sup, man, where are you? Still stuck in the restaurant? Me and the boys have been waiting for you. Um, right, so he was supposed to meet somebody and um, they were waiting for him, but he said, listen, you know, um, drop whatever you're doing, meet me at the cyber cafe now. <laughs> and meanwhile, his mother is yelling at him, you lying to little rag, gave you half of this week's earnings so you could help me out today, which, you know, she doesn't sound like she has a lot of money and to give him half a week's earnings, that's a lot of money that's for him to help him. Yeah, I'm. I'm not totally sure that she's the mother. I mean, they obviously know each other, but I don't know. 
I honestly, I from what I've seen it, I mean, we do, I mean, there's people that are very disrespectful like this. That's um, true. And, yeah. and I, I do, I, I honestly think that it, that is his mom. And mm. of course, you know, mothers, what do we do? We like to give our children second chances and, you know, hey, if you help me, like, I mean, she's even willing to pay him to come right. and help. You know, she's she's trying to get him to come in and, and kind of help out, even if she has to get, like, I mean, half of the week's earnings, like, that's crazy. I I mean, I pay my kid a dollar. Like, that's that's all you're getting. Like, you do your chores and you get a dollar. Um, but he's just so disrespectful and he just doesn't yeah. even care. And to him, it's like, either I make money off of her or I'm going to go find it somewhere else. Like, it's, yeah, this is just scum. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. And in that sense, I mean, she's obviously uh, lost his respect uh, and is, you know, trying to get it back in, in whatever way she can. Right. But is not succeeding. Yeah. And I think also, you know, you can contrast that like Torah and Gayu, they're both in the gang, but the way they behave is, is not like this, right? This guy is addicted to drugs. He is doing whatever he needs to get the next fix. And he just runs people over all the way. He has no disregard for other people. And, you know, they're both in the gang, but their behavior is completely different. Even though Torah is like probably way, you know, higher up there on the, the gang uh, rung, you know, ladder, but he doesn't treat people like this. Yeah. And like I've mentioned before, Lily does a really good job about her drawings. I love just looking at it. Like I said, we can scroll as fast as we can and read through it. But if you look at his face, you know, he's, like you said, he's in a gang, he's using drugs. You know, most people that are in, in this kind of, business you know they they're going to use some kind of drug drug right but if you look at his face i mean you see these dents and creases and like his face looks really tired i mean drugs do that to you so even his way of besides being disrespectful but even in, in the way that she draws his face how he's kind of creased in you know drugs start eating you up so um i i love that she put that detail on him yeah yeah very much mm-hmm and, you know, here he's been he's been saying all along he doesn't want to miss his girl Candy's performance. But his friends are like, oh, I'm going to miss Candy Baby's performance. And this is so important. He says to hell with her. Right. I've yeah. got something more exciting in store for us now. So whatever this is, this is super um, something. And he says something that's going to make us rich. Okay, that's his motivation. It's not like, I don't know, yes. bring the other clan down. He's not even, he doesn't even have like clan loyalty. Like, oh, this will help our gang with the other gang. No, he's like, this will make us money. Yep. That's all yep. they're worried about money. Yeah. Well, you know, if you've got a habit to support, uh, money becomes a very uh, pertinent issue, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I mean, the other thing I'm noticing about him is the chains that he's wearing, um, which I don't I don't know is I think is is meant to be make him look tough, I guess. I mean, you know, they, they can't. Basically, the you know if they're expensive chains, then they're taking away drug money, right? So that's they've got to be important enough, right? So, but he has you know like a bracelet and a long chain and earrings, if I remember reading. Yeah, yeah, you could see them in the close-up panel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think right, it's probably like a part of an image that he wants to portray. I, I don't know if they're necessarily expensive. Like those are just metal. I, I just don't think those are. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, with, with people that are, you know, involved in, in some kind of, you know, gangs like this or, or just trying to trying to make a name for themselves, you know, image has a lot to do with it. Um, so this could, like you said, it, it could be just a, a way of him portraying himself as like, Hey, I'm, I'm this guy, I'm tough, you know, look at, look at what I'm wearing. Um, 
and you know that's just the way that unfortunately sometimes even in society you kind of see that um it's all about the looks it's all about how you can portray yourself and how people view you view you so right okay so now we're back at giant goldfish publishing and poppy is you know she's pulling her bag out and she's looking at her table she says her table is a mess she's sitting there looking all forlorn you know she had a rough day (laughs) and she has coffee which she hasn't even drunk but then you know she this is a very typical poppy move poppy has a lot of inner strength she really you know this is like this the background's blurred behind her it's to show like i think the the strength of her conviction she says pull yourself together she you know swipes her desk clean what do you need to do now and she takes out her trusty pen this is something i do a lot and she's like you need to make (laughs) A to-do list. <laughs> so, yes. Who doesn't do a to-do list? Like, whenever you're wanting to do something and, and you know you need to get it done, what's the best way to do it? To-do list. <laughs> right. You This gives you a measure of control, right? You feel yes. out of control and you feel like, overwhelmed. You say, I'm going to make a to-do list. I'm going to take control of my life. And, of course, Poppy's notebook is this blue notebook with rainbows on it. It's so, so cute. cute. <laughs> and there's uh, little stickers or, or post-it notes uh, sticking out the top. Where she's mm-hmm. marked different pages with different bits of content. Yeah. Adorable. <laughs> she is cute. <laughs> yeah. Total contradistinction to Torah. You know, Torah does not use to-do lists. Torah is black, somber, clothing, his apartment, everything is dark, and Poppy is bright and cheery. So she's like, one more thing to do, taps her head. And this is a tough one for her. She probably doesn't even want to have to say it. She needs to make sure that that photo that he took is deleted. And she thinks back to him again, taking that compromising photo with her chest exposed for now I and mean, forever. For certain values of exposed, I mean, you know, I get that she's like <laughs> 20 at this point, and but to me, that that's not a super risque shot. I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get a little bit of lace, and that's it. Come on. Anyway, but she's smart um, for thinking that way. Like, hey, you yeah. know, I don't want this photo to just be around because, you know, right. you don't know what somebody might want to do with something like that. And so that's really good that she's like, I need this photo deleted ASAP. But thank you for the flashback of Tora doing it because <laughs> he just looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I know she mentioned that because she works at a tabloid. She knows what can happen with these photos. So I think she's more aware of what where these photos could end up and she really doesn't want to do it. You know, yeah. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say private, but she's, you know, conservative. More like, what? Conservative? She's conservative. She's a little bit conservative about her yeah. appearance. Right. Yeah. Someone like yeah. our Dean probably wouldn't care. You know, that's how, that's her everyday attire. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. She keeps things more to herself, but she's, you know, just the thought of that really overwhelms her because she knows that'll be a task. She just bumps her head down on the desk Thump, feels overwhelmed, you know, says that utterly, utterly humiliating photo. So she definitely feels it's humiliating. She's not used to exposing yeah. herself. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then, you know, with a determined sigh, she sits up, she's, you know, furrows her brows. Now to start figuring out how to get him to do that. She doesn't shy away from responsibility. She, she takes a little bit of time to, you know, process her, to have some emotions and to let them, you know, go engulf her but then she takes control she's like i want let's do something about this and again back to tapping her pen against her temple <laughs> so now is obviously a bad time to ask um i needed his help to locate mr lamb as she she recognizes just very smart of her confronting him head on would have been a terrible idea 
And she understands that while she's getting his help, she's not going to go ask him, confront him with what he did and accuse him and try to get him to do something. Especially when it was just me and him and I didn't have an exit route planned out, which does show the way she's thinking. You know, she's very savvy. Yeah, she's very savvy. And that's what I like about her, that she's like, yes, I need to get to this. Ultimately, I want to end this where I wanted to go with the photo being deleted. But first, let me see what I can get done with his help. Like, I love that. Good thinking. Smart girl. Right. And she was, she did view Torah as dangerous enough to need an exit route, which, you know, is good, sad at the same time, but true, realistic, pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that is one of the things I also uh, enjoy about Lily's work. Um, You know, it's, I think it's easy to kind of run away, especially in romance stories and be very unrealistic. Mm. Like, Oh, you know, he is my soulmate. Of course, I will just no, do, no. <laughs> Not that <laughs> he's easy. an entire foot taller than you. He is big and he's scary. Like, you know, watch out for yourself. Don't go into things. You know, do it sensibly. Slow down, and and that's really really good to see. And that also, um, you know, it's realistic for Poppy and and you know her personality, her body. Uh, her status as a relatively newcomer to the city. She doesn't know everything. She knows she doesn't know everything. She knows that it's not necessarily safe, right? And yep. so she's kind of going, okay, right, what can I do but also stay safe? Right, yeah. and I know that, um, I don't remember where I read this, but it was in the, one of the Patreon comments where somebody asked Lily, you know, would you be interested into Torah if you met him in real life? And she says, if I met Torah in real life, I would run as fast as I could in the other direction. <laughs> and, you know, she does say that some some her husband has some elements of Torah, but, you know, I think what you were saying about, like, you know, this is romance and we're all like, oh, we want it all to go away. But like, if we, yeah, if we met someone in Torah in real life, this is like a real... Uh, <laughs> real serious situation like I mm-hmm. my first thought was like oh you know Poppy why aren't you falling in love with him and saying you love him and blah 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 I'm like that's so crazy Poppy's hesitation is a hundred percent you know um necessary like this yes. guy is really dangerous and his life is dangerous and he's wise and wanting to stay away from her and she's wise and wanting to stay away from him despite their attraction for each other yeah, yeah. it's kind of like where those things were like when you know you're in a really bad situation like you're you're the back of your hair starts standing up like you're kind of like afraid you're kind of, it's like your own even your stomach will give you that sense of like uh something's not right here she i mean she gets that she whenever he's you know near her she's like oh he's scary like there's something about him that just doesn't feel right i mean that's what we as humans have like that intuition of like this is might not be, you know, a safe thing to do or the right thing to do. So, you know, I, I love that Lily, you know, puts that in there. Cause yeah, we want all that love and romance. Like, yeah, why didn't you, you know, love, you know, look at him. He's gorgeous. Just fall in love with him, you know, marry him. But in reality, no, it's not like that. You know, you, this whole process that she's going through is perfect. Like, I just, I love it. Yeah. And the other thing is as readers, at least potentially we know about the previous stories as well as Bride, right? We know that they're destined to come together. You know, we, we going into this comic, we know that, you know, we're obviously looking at these people because they're meant to end up together, right? Yes. But they don't know this. That, you know, the characters cannot possibly know anything about reincarnation, about previous stories, about what they're destined for, none of that. And so, you know, as a, as a storyteller, you know, they have to be pushed together repeatedly. And that's what we've had 
um, you know, in the episodes so far, they keep bumping into each other mm-hmm. as a kind of like, no, guys, take the hint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you be together against your resistance. But, you know, it's, right. it's really well done. Hey, you know, what's interesting. This is oh, this is going to be so interesting. So in the beginning of the story, um, Pop Lily says, you know, life is a series of dots and everything is connected. Now, here's a very interesting thing. So when I when I read the story, um, I don't automatically think that everything is connected. And there's a couple of reasons why. And I, I just realized that there's a lot of like my own personal background and psychology that plays into this. So um, the way I grew up, I grew up in a very religious household. And one of the, the perspectives that we were taught was that everything that happens comes from God and God is in charge of everything. And one of the things that I changed as I grew up was I, I stopped believing that. You know, I said um, it's impossible to know what is deliberate and what's not deliberate. You know, I still believe in, in a God that can do these things. But I said, I don't, you just don't know. You can't tell what is just circumstantial and what is planned, let's just say, right? So in my own personal life, I stopped thinking that way. And then that's my first my first uh, angle. My second angle is that as somebody who wants to write and the kind of literature I gravitate towards, I don't like I don't necessarily like where um, where everything is like all these details put are put together because I think that's a little contrived and I think that's a little too serendipitous. So I'm reading the story and I don't pick up on all these little details that a lot of other fans say, oh, this is connected. This is connected. What if, you know, she's the mom and this is that. And I'm like, oh, but that would be too obvious or that would be too over the top and it's I'm like oh, wait but that Lily is writing that way and I realize especially like you know with all the details that we say as we read it we have to find it she is writing in that style so I have to thank yeah. God that there are other people writing because I would never pick up on a lot of the details otherwise yeah and being a part of the Patreon I mean oh my god bless everybody that is on there and has their little tin foils because I I don't even I think I've already lost count of how many times I've reread this because I just can't live without it. I'm obsessed. Yes. Um, but, you know, with with everybody's theories and how it's going, it literally probably took the fifth time rereading this to be like, wait, she mentions it. All the dots are connected. And that's when my even my brain was thinking more like, oh, this is happening. And this is why they keep having this and this and that. So, um like you said, it, it, it probably be too obvious when you're writing it kind of like that. But but this makes sense because, like you said, with the sewer bride, they're meant to be together. They're, you know, all these things are going to start connecting to why it's happening in the way that it's happening. So, um, yeah, if you're not a member of Patreon, I, I'm, I'm going to promote it. Uh, you, you need to be part of it. There's so much wonderful content on there. Everybody that writes on there just get, gets you thinking even more. So, yeah. Uh, that's my second time promoting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the other thing um, I wanted to add into this is um, a lot of the time it's written not just as a straight up romance, but also as a mystery. I read a lot of uh, detective novels and mystery novels. So this is kind of my my uh, my interest. And it's really rewarding. I mean, you can just kind of skim through it and just go for the plot and the and the dialogue and the pretty pictures. Absolutely. You can read it that way. But it's also, it has more layers to it. And if you're willing to kind of puzzle you up some episodes and take notes and, 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 you know, think about why does this person have a tattoo that is shaped like this and, and is on this place on their body? What is it? Mm-hmm. Like every detail as far as seems to have some sort of a purpose and a reason. And so anytime you start digging into it, it's really super rewarding. Also, you know, bring your long game because, you know, 
this is like we're talking about it what seven months after it was released you know yeah and, we, and every time we go back to an old episode we see things now that have significance that we didn't understand when we first read it yeah exactly yes very very rich definitely a very rich and detailed story thank you lily <laughs> exactly thank you it has a very high uh, reread value you know in that sense so it's you know it's never time wasted going over and reading it 10 times or 20 times or 100 times yes because you will find things in there that suddenly make sense and that's amazing to me just the you know hats off just the effort that goes into this it's just amazing yes Lily, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. back to the episode. <laughs> okay, so he says, well, and, you know, he did give me his business card. She's speaking back. And this is interesting, right? She's, I'll assume for now he doesn't know I'm the girl from the train station, which is like, how dumb does she think she, he is? Like, really? <laughs> like, he's not blind, you know? He, he still has her in his phone, so he clearly, like, can refer back to the picture if necessary. <laughs> I just like that she lies to herself. To, to make it seem like it's fine like we can we can work with this he's he doesn't know it's me like no <laughs> that's a, that's a classic copy avoidance strategy yeah if something's too uncomfortable for her she just avoids thinking about it so she takes out her bag and um and she's like oh but she's like oh he wouldn't have given it given it to me if if not right again lying to herself so maybe i'll be able to catch him off his guard or something biggest like ironic statement of the century catching Tora off guard <laughs> Right. That's never going to happen for anyone. Nobody no. catches that guy off guard. No, he's way too observant. No. Very. I mean, you know, uh, even so, you know, she surprises him, but not by catching him off guard. It's just that, you know, her personality is surprising to him. And that's, yes. that's about it. <laughs> right. Maybe emotionally she catches him off guard, but not, right. not intellectually. Yeah. So she's rummaging through her bag and we see the notebook in her bag. It's right very there. obvious because all of her notebooks are, you know, colorful and light and floral and decorated. And then there's this black notebook. Okay. It's it, so obvious. Yeah. And what? also Lily's trolling us a bit here. Found it is the, you yes. know, the first <laughs> word on the first panel. We're like, what have you found? Oh my God. What? <laughs> well, just think of it. Okay. She must be so into what she's focusing on, on her, on her ultimate goal and what she has to get done that, you know, for me, when I go through my bag, my purse, I know what belongs to me. You know, we, we, it's, this bag is her daily thing that she carries. And that one item that is completely different from, you know, all her other notebooks, all her other papers kind of just, I'm kind of, she's that much into her world and her mind and trying to focus on everything else that she doesn't even notice it. But here we are, we noticed it. We're like, Oh, that's, that doesn't belong in there. That's not yours. Like, so yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now here, Sorry, go ahead, Rebecca. Yeah, I was just going to say the next panel, she's she's pulled the card out. And it looks like she's reading it for the first time properly um, because what she's saying is Torah from the Baltimore organization. What is that? It sounds so prestigious. This is amazing. <laughs> and also she's decoded his name, Tiger. He's got such an aggressive name, just like him. Um, she's not funny when she says that. Huh? She has the sweat mark when she says that yeah. <laughs> within the text. Yep. Um, I mean, that's that's also helpful, um, you know, from from the uh, you know readers and writers' perspective. That you know, the the author cannot expect everybody to know that Torah means tiger, but here is that little 
Captain, you know, that is totally what the name means. And, you know, the character knows that and, and talks about it. Right, and she sees him as an aggressive person. She's also very easily impressed. You know, it's like Baltimore organization sounds so prestigious. Like, it's just a name, right? You know, at some point I've, I've learned, especially with the rules of business, like I, I do business now, you know, anybody can can slap the name on themselves and put up a website and like, oh, I'm the Baltimore organization. <laughs> like, it could be one person. That's quite, that happens a lot in business. One or two people, you know? Yeah. So, a little naive. <laughs> I mean, it, it also speaks to the organization and the boss of the organization uh, having a real interest in looking good, right? There's that nice logo. It's on everything. Yes. Um, you know, if she's kind of looking at that, uh, you know, maybe the card itself is very nice. You know, it's nice paper or nice, nicely printed or, you know, not to go too American psycho here, but, you know, card right it has a different sort of feel i mean you know what else is she basing this you know yeah because her face just her face like being shocked about it i mean even when i read when i was looking at this panel um i even imagined like what does that card feel like like what kind of paper is it like i almost want to go to the paper store and just start feeling everything and be like yes this is the one that they would use for their <laughs> business card <laughs> With that okay. logo. I, love, I love how obsessed we are we could like all descend on stationary shops be like what is the which one which one did he yes. use yes <laughs> I'm definitely getting American Psycho flashbacks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So Good. interestingly, right, she says, you know, even though he spent the entire afternoon chasing down Mr. Lamp together with me, so she recognizes that he did a, a big favor for her, I can't shake off the feeling that there's something dangerous about him. And he scares the heck out of me without even trying. And I like that she is thinking about it. You know, she is now finally, she's catching up later, mm -hmm. right? She takes time to think about her thing, her feelings after it, they happen. So she does recognize that he scares her. But, you know, then she she's, you know, giving her him the benefit of the doubt, which is the, the thing that Poppy is known for and that we like mm -hmm. about her. Maybe I'm really wrong about him. And so that's nice. Again, it's like she's willing to give him some, a, a chance to prove himself to be something other than just what his physical appearance and behavior um, projects. Yes. And then, like you said, that's so poppy to, you know, give him, like you said, the benefit of the doubt to maybe not necessarily see him for what everybody else thinks that he might be. But, you know, maybe he, there is some other side of him that, you know, she hasn't seen, but she thinks that it's there. So I, I love that poppy is, is this way. She's willing to give people another like kind of chance or just a different view, point of view of, of what they may look like and what they actually are. But also remember that uh, very recently, Tora has pointed this out to her. He said, you know, he stopped her in, his, in her tracks and said, you know, you're judging me. Mm -hmm. You know, do you always do this? Right. Mm -hmm. He's just pointed out to her what you see is not necessarily what I am. And so I think that's also still playing on her mind because it, it happened the same day. Um, you know, it's only a few hours ago that he's kind of said, you know, hang on a minute. Mm -hmm. Give me a no, he doesn't say give me another chance, but he does kind of point out that she might be wrong. Right. Yeah. But she still wants to make sure he deletes that photo. At the end of the day, she still has her objective and she wants to have it done. And now yeah. Lily focuses in on the notebook, right? This is like kind of like, you know, a dear reader moment. Probably doesn't see it. We see it. Here it is. Everything else is blurred out. There's a notebook. <laughs> So now we go back to where um, Tora is. So Tora has been, right, he was outside. This is going back, flashing back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Poppy just left him. She ran away from him, ran to the train. 
and we hear rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> Toro's looking there with the high tent. <laughs> and he's the expressions. Yeah. <laughs> you see this flashy yellow sports car drive up. We first we see this foot, you know, this with this gorgeous, elegant, expensive shoe step out. And then we see the back of this man with this beautiful tweed, I guess, suit, shiny gold watch, tropical shirt underneath, beautiful slick black blonde hair, like bleach blonde hair, and Taurus standing there in the back and dangling out these keys. You know, no, doesn't even say anything, right? It's like this <laughs> very imperious attitude. And then we have Quincy. Dun, dun, what an entrance. <laughs> oh. Quincy is, first of all, he's beautiful. He's got this flop of blonde hair, broad shoulders, narrow waist, this beautiful outfit. His shirt, you know, his shirt is open with like this V-neck, scoop neck thing. And you see his nice broad chest, just gorgeous. He has a scar over his right eye, which we still don't know where that is from, how he got it. I actually first thought it was some kind of like just dazzle, like this um, glimmer at first, but now and then I realized it's <laughs> he's wearing this uh, one earring, this diamond cross that's glinting, and he says, "You drive." <laughs> oh, I know God. this panel Quincy. is just uh, this panel. If, if this doesn't say Quincy, like, it, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. just gorgeous from top to bottom. I mean, his hair is like superb. I mean, it's like well just I mean brushed back with I'm sure it's like the most expensive creams you can think of a man can put on there his eyes are gorgeous I mean even like with what he's wearing you can tell that's that's money one but yeah. two his physique underneath all those clothes you know he's eating right he's taking care of his body um he's working out obviously but you know just just his authority of like you drive like here's the keys dang you know that's just yeah that's that's so him Yep. Uh, one little thing that it took me a few rereads to pick up on is the print on his T-shirt echoes the print on one of the boys' T-shirts in the Aris Street Kings photo. Yep. He's been like into tropical, tropical motif the entire time. Lily actually confirmed this this week. Somebody pointed out because he, he wears tropical shirts a lot. Also, I just noticed that the green matches his eyes. I think he's very aware of how to dress himself well. Oh and yeah, how to how to make sure he looks his best. <laughs> he's a dresser. Oh, really. oh and there's his handkerchief in the pocket as well. This silk canker black handkerchief. <laughs> oh, Quincy, Quincy. <sighs> you should, <That's> horrible. <laughs> I was gonna say you should dress me. I didn't mean it that way, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like uh I have a, a funky sense of style, but I do not spend a lot of money on clothes because mainly because I can't, I guess. But Yes, Quincy, he can choose my outfit. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he just, yeah, he just looks wonderful in that whole suit. Yeah. yeah. And yet, <laughs> Tora is clearly unimpressed. I mean, look at his face. He's like, oh, God. <laughs> right. Especially, I think, after, um, after Poppy, right? He's a little annoyed that, like, Poppy just left and he doesn't get to spend more time with her, I think. And then Quincy shows up on like, you know, where'd you get the damn car from? Especially after he lost his, he just lost his car, by the way. I think he's yeah. sure jealous. Yeah, he's pissed. <laughs> and, and Quincy's like, I bought it. Duh. Like, what else? Like, what? I mean, of course. Money. And he's like, just because I told you to take a cab to see your boss. 
and you know Utora is angry and he's like and Quincy doesn't even respond he's like oh what's the big deal yes I didn't want to take a cab so I bought this like really expensive yellow car yeah <laughs> and- a bit like your point is what exactly <laughs> <laughs> so oh, Quincy see this is like masterful right we've had Quincy for like what five I don't know ten panels in ten panels we have such a good read about him we know he's into his appearance we know he's rich we know he has no he doesn't never had to worry about money in his life we know he's self-centered we know he expects things to be done for him really quickly mm-hmm. and he doesn't he's not used to uh, no he's not used to obstacles we know that he could boss Toro around like there's so much meaning and characterization expressed in this short amount of time yeah yeah, de- yeah, definitely. He, I mean, just when he said, "I bought it," duh. I was just like, "Oh my god, yeah, money." Just you just go and be like, "I, I just need a car for today. I'll buy that one." Like that's literally what I imagined him doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not renting a car, not taking a cab, and also he he relies on Torah so much. He's willing to buy a car and drive it himself to Torah, and then tell Torah to drive yeah. instead of just taking the taxi. But I mean, we know actually what he wants. Um, well, we, we know that he needs Torah for a specific purpose, actually, not just so he, he couldn't just take any cap, but right. <laughs> right. I mean, he says you know. in the next panel, I have a job for you today, Torah. Right. So, um, you know, there's there's clearly something afoot here that Torah has to be in on time to get to work, says uh, says Quincy with uh, the most vicious look we've seen on his face yet. His, yeah, his face, his facial expression changes. I mean, we we saw where he just got, you know, when he just arrived and he's so calm and like, here is the key. And then when he's like, time to work, you know, I have a, a job for you. I mean, his face just changes. And I love that. Yeah. And, you know, this is interesting. Apparently, this was not in the first version of Midnight Populand because I just read the Patreon comments and people were we're saying that, um, you know, like, oh, where did this come from? How was Quincy, you know, Quincy's behavior in this episode? They were, it was not in the first episode. And I think that, well, we'll discuss it as we get through it, but it definitely serves a purpose, um, this whole storyline, to give us more understanding about Quincy and his background and his history. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Mr. Gorgeous, um, now we see that they are in, the, the yellow car is parked in a um, parking lot, right? An underground subterranean parking lot. And then we cut to um, this plaque on the wall, John Morrison, CEO. And we hear some words, look, pal. And we don't, we don't get to see the face for a while. First, it's just some shots of the room. I don't know who the hell you are or what you want from me, but I'll give you anything you want. How about that? And then we see who is ostensibly Mr. Morrison. His face is on the ground and we have somebody's hand. Well, we already see the tattoo, so it's, it's Torah. His hand is, you know, grasping him and he's on, he's on the ground. And it's, you know, this detail, I just noticed his ear, if you see his, Mr. Morrison's ear mm-hmm. is like squished down, like it's bent out of shape because Torah is slamming on it. He's not even like, he's totally disregarding any comfort for Mr. Morrison, right? I just, I'm doing that to my own ear and I can't hear anything, especially because <laughs> I'm actually with my left ear. So I only hear on my, with my right ear, but um, he's not, and you know, he's, making him as uncomfortable and as threatened and, as possible. I mean, with even like Torah's skills that we, we know he has, maybe that's one way of him knowing that if I do that, not only is he uncomfortable because I have my giant hand on his, you know, neck and side area, but how uncomfortable is that to just bend your ear and have that, you know, kind of just there like that? Like you, 
can hardly hear anything when you do that to yourself. So uh, I, I noticed that, and I think I read it somewhere uh, online too. That because I didn't notice that detail, like you said, that detail. I didn't I didn't notice it right away until somebody had placed it or put it on there, and uh, I was like, that's perfect. Like how else to make somebody so uncomfortable um, than to do that? <laughs> yeah, and he has you know his eyes are wide open. He's very scared. And then the next panel, we see that. He's kneeling on the floor and Torah is, you know, just the only he's only using one hand. Like Torah is very powerful that um, he just needs to use one hand to to, you know, incapacitate him. But also Mr. Morrison is clever. He knows that it's not just one hand. He understands that Torah has a lot of power and he could probably very possibly have a gun. So he understands that it's not just the one hand keeping him there. He he understands that if he tries to move, he'll something, you know, Torah will use more force if necessary. Right. And he's like, money, is that what you want? Because I have a ton. How much do you need? 200, 500? He starts with very small amounts, by the way. So, like, he doesn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) I find that very insulting. 200 and then 500? I'm like, no, you should have started with 1,000 and then moved your way up. Like, this is your life. Right. I think I think he underestimates Torah. He thinks that Torah is just this random street thug who just wants money because he's like, oh, I don't know how much alcohol or drugs cost you. I'm sure that's more than enough. eh? very disrespectful. He doesn't he doesn't he thinks that Torah is just like a transactional, small, small, petty thing, you know, just like random person that he's going to mug. I wonder as well whether, uh, you know, under physical threat, this guy is trying to reclaim the upper hand by being insulting. Um, you know, so does it what's, does it say anything about his job? No, just CEO. But yeah, maybe he's just used to arguing with people verbally and not physically. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to regain the upper hand by insulting Torah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And his um, it looks like they're at some kind of board meeting because there's a, there's a table and there's these other employees there. And you know what's interesting? I, I actually thought their stance was like way too calm, except for one guy who's sort of getting up. Like the rest of them are just like their body, their posture is like they're just sitting there. And you know, one of them is like, "Oh God, what should we do?" And one guy is smart. He's like, "Damn, Mr. Morrison shouldn't be saying those things to this guy." Which is they're smart enough to realize Mr. Morrison is antagonizing Tora, and um, he's so. I think it's what you said. He's used to. And we know from what he what we find out that he's done later he's used to getting his way and steamrolling people and disrespecting people and disregarding people. And we see that even from them, like this guy, this indication that he doesn't pick up on other people's psychological clue, uh, cues. And he just does what he, what he thinks is, you know, he wants to do. Mm. Yeah. When I yeah. first started reading this, I didn't, I didn't even, I mean, I knew he was on a table or Torah had him, you know, in, in some way, but um, just the fact that he's doing it in front of other people and he's just like, I'm going to make sure you understand that. Um, we're we're gonna have witnesses here, kind of, uh, you know, witnessing what 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 I'm able to capable of doing to you. Like I I don't know. I I felt like when I was reading that, I was like, oh, perfect. Do it in front of other people. That way they know. Like that way he knows you mean business. Yeah. Right, and that he's he's uh you know willing to take him on in front of three other able-bodied people, mm-hmm. and he he feels that he can handle them if they try to physically threaten him. But he also, I see Mr. Morrison is not completely foolish because he says, one other coworker says, I think we should really get security in now. And then the one's like, but Mr. Morrison said not to call for security. And Mr. Morrison says, yes, I did say that. Stay where you are, all of you. God, you wanted imbeciles, which is, again, this is how he's treating his, his employees. Yeah. Just very disgusting. 
And the woman's like, Mr. Morrison, the man is about to hurt you. And he says, this lowlife thug will crack my skull open before you even step out of this room, stupid. I mean, how insulting could he be? He's calling him a lowlife thug as his hand is on his neck. I mean, how dumb can you be? Yeah, he's not a smart one for from what I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming he's smart in some ways because he got to where he is, but he probably got to where he is by steamrolling a lot of people. Yeah. True. And also, you know, deflecting blame. Are you all trying to get me killed? Like, how is this his employee's problem? You know, they are witnesses. And he's immediately twisting around the problem to, you know, you guys shush, I will deal with it. And if you say anything, you're going to get me. I mean, you know, it's just classic stuff, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's there's more people. In the next panel, we see there are actually six people sitting around that table wow um then mr morrison says oh god think he just broke my jaw hurry up and get me that stupid checkbook and then we hear clap and uh another clap uh and mr morrison is uh does not know what to make of this so confused who the hell is that he says which one of you numbskulls here we go again, deflecting onto the employees. Which one of you numbskulls is clapping when your CEO is being assaulted? And then right. we he didn't even think of it. <laughs> yeah, like he's like, oh, I'm the CEO. That's how he think of it, thinks of himself, rather than when a fellow human being or your coworker is being assaulted. It's like your CEO. Yes. Right. Right. And then we see the person clapping is is Quincy, who says, ah. Oh, I'm afraid that would be me. <laughs> I'm hearing that in a British accent, I have to say. <laughs> and so he has this wine glass in front of him, which I don't know how that got there. I wonder if he like brought it along for dramatic effect because that's so Quincy. Yes, <laughs> like, I love that. I make this as dramatic as possible? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, this was his father, right? His father also had alcohol. When he saw father sitting at the head of the table, fancy suit, there's violence being perpetrated in front of him by Tora, who's the, you know, the lap dog, the dog. And he has this wine alcohol in front of him and he's acting calm and collected as though violence doesn't perturb him. This is classic Vincent. He learned it from him. Yeah, it's the playbook, isn't it? The, the mafia playbook that Quincy's emulating here. And do you, do you notice as well, uh, from certainly from the parking garage onwards, uh, all of the colors are quite gray, greeny, dark toned. Um, you know, yes, okay, we're indoors, so it's not going to be bright sunlight, but everything's this kind of darkish, gloomy, you know, atmosphere over it. Yep. So, and, you know, Quincy is, his posture, he's leaning back, his his legs are crossed, his hands are in his lap, He he's acting like the, the epitome of calm and unconcern as though this doesn't matter at all. Sorry to interrupt your fun, Mr. Morrison. Obviously, like the classic, you know, like, oh, this is fun. It's not fun. And yes, so that's where this chapter ends. And we are left with wondering what kind of person is Quincy? I mean, at this point, we just feel he's, you know, another one of Torah's mafia, mafioso guys, you know, angry. We don't know yet that he's Vincent's son, but, um, you know, we see that he's, that he is, uh, we infer from his behavior that he's sadistic. I mean, and even the way that this panel shows him, um, you know, obviously a few chapters ahead, 
you know, this same posture is like his father and uh, almost like a, like a, not like an act, but like, obviously he's learned that throughout the years. So I, I, I love the way how he's so calm and so um, like, it's almost like he's taking control of that whole situation just by sitting there so calmly. So, you know, he has a smile on like, that's just, I, I just love, I love how he's sitting just so calmly and so confident, you know, just on that, you know, with his little wine glass and a wine bottle. <laughs> yeah, to, to me, it reads like a power play. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's trying to sort of assert dominance. Um, and, you know, also, uh, you know, the sort of structure up until this point, you know, we've had the violence from Torah and Quincy's positioning himself as the one in control here. Um, you know, he's taken the head of the table um, he is the one who's saying, you know, I am the big cheese here, you know, the, ah, that would be me, you know, just, I, I'm, you know, clapping, I'm controlling this, the scene. And, you know, all of it is just kind of theater for, for, you know, what's happening as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's, it's, it's staged. Yeah. is how it feels to me. Yeah. Right. And we'll find out exactly how much more so a little bit later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Citra, I'm I'm curious. Now that we've reached the end of the episode, I'd love to hear your perspective, based um, as a law enforcement person in law enforcement. What's your perspective on on everything? On Torah, on the gang, on um, you know Quincy, on Vincent. Um, yeah, um, I don't I don't know if because um, you know I don't know how Lily does her, her writing and how she's kind of gets her information on how, like you said, how to get what the characters have, their characteristics, what is their personalities like, where do they come from, you know. So from just reading what I've read, you know, from her, she's obviously done her homework because it's pretty spot on uh, as far as, like, the whole gang organization. You know, you have plenty of gangs out there that are against each other. Um, How do we bring the other one down? How do we take over territory? Um, so she, she's definitely done her, her homework on that. I think she's pretty spot on as far as, um, how some of these organizations can be very intimidating, um, even for people who are on the inside, um, how they even got there. Uh, we don't know all of Torah's story on how he's gotten where he's at. Same with Goliath. We don't know. We just, based on that picture that, you know, he finds that, that one guy, um, you know, they're kids at the time, but obviously it says Aries thugs or something like that is set on there um so they they started at this very young so she's pretty spot on a lot of these gangs and organizations they you know a lot of these kids they they're trying to find a home that they don't have you know for whatever reason whatever was going on in their houses um and some of them are forced into this you know it's it's family like Quincy um not to give too much on that but um so you you kind of grow up into this and and you have no other choice um, so she's done very, very good about that. Um, whatever she's researched or anything like that, I think she's she's really spot on as far as the organization. Um, Poppy, you know, I whenever I read and I think about my law enforcement kind of experience, she's your typical, you know, citizen out there. You know, she's just happened to fall into something that just wasn't meant to be, you know. But I know Lily has her plan with this storyline. But how many people are victims that they find stuff that they don't, they didn't mean to find, but now they're involved. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's done a really good job when it comes to that. Um, but I, I'm more interested in finding out more about the organization, just what exactly their values are, 
how they run things. Like, I hope we get to see that. I know it's probably a while before we do, just because for me, you know, I like seeing that, but I also love the love story in there. <laughs> so, yeah. Right, do you like understand um, what Tora's desire, like stay away, stay away from Poppy? Yes, yes I, I do because I mean it's it's dangerous you know we don't we've only seen up to you know episode 11 we've only seen a little bit of it of what they are involved in you know and how because even now we don't know how they get their money I mean we know that they do kind of schemes here and there but um, it, I think him wanting to protect her in that way I think it's it's very sweet of him and but very smart of him like why get somebody who's so innocent involved in something that's really bad and just you know even even her sometimes she has to lie to herself like oh no this wasn't blood it was chocolate no it was blood you know some people just can't handle situations like that but uh torah i just feel really bad for him i just um i have an idea of how he got into this um unfortunately in this kind of organization but um, my hope is that he can get out because there is situations in real life where people get involved in, in bad stuff and they want to turn their lives around after being caught and, you know, being in jail for so long. So um, that reform uh, is kind of in there with him. So I, I, I like that I that we get to see that from him. What do you think of the theories that have him being uh, an informant for the police and a double agent and maybe even trying to bring down the clan from the inside? I think uh, I do believe in that. Uh, whenever um, I read it on, on uh, online, I was kind of like, that makes sense. Um, what better way to be able to get out of it by everything that you know and, you know, giving it as an, as an informant. Uh, unfortunately, you know, in, in society now, giving that kind of information has a bad uh, stigma. Snitches get stitches. That's what you always hear. Um, but some people just have that mentality that, that, that that's how it is that doing that is is against the the law and uh, the the law of the gang or the law of the you know organization you're not supposed to do that to your brothers you're not supposed to do that to where you you know got most of your money or you know how you became somebody right but um i do like that theory and and uh, i wouldn't be surprised honestly if if that ended up being what happens um because there is there i mean Part of our job, even out here, you know, we, we get a lot of people caught because people are willing to come out and say, hey, I know who did this or, hey, I have information for you. So, yeah. There's a there's a, an aspect of the whole thing that I've been mulling over recently and I'll, I'll try and word it so it's not too spoilery. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we've seen on the one hand um, the how how the clan rules by fear. And that's, I think, what you were uh, referring to. You know, pe people don't dare snitch yes. because they're afraid of the consequences and because they're surrounded by violence the whole time and they see that, you know, what happens to people who are, you know, who don't step in line. Um, but then we've also got this, um, you know, uh, I, I was musing about it in, in terms of the um, tattoos. Mm -hmm. And, we, you know, a lot of the discussion online is like, oh, you know, these people have had these tattoos forced on them. It's like branding. It's like, you know, making them be part of the organization. Yeah. And I see that. But I also see, um, you know, as you were referring to, the, you know, it is a way for people to make money. It is a way for people to belong to something. It can be like a brotherhood, a family. 
-hmm. And the tattoo is kind of a mark of it, you know, because it's not your bio family for the most part. Um, you know, once you've kind of earned your stripes, you know, you've earned your tattoo, you've done enough things for the clan that they say, okay, you are now part of us. We're going to give you the tattoo. And that means you're going to be with us forever and you belong here now. I can see that being very attractive to people who don't have a stable family and who don't have, you know, a supportive background. Yeah. That, to them, it, it is a brotherhood and there's a loyalty, not just out of fear of the consequences, but also out of a kind of love. Do you, do you know what I mean? That's that's kind of yeah, and and like, and that's and and that's what that's what a lot of like uh, you know we we I have to do training for for my you know kind of work, but you know I I have the honor I guess in a, in a sense to take a gang one on one class, and they speak about that how the tattoos the the placement the um, what's required for you to be kind of branded to show your loyalty you know, into the organization that you're part of, into the gang, the clan, whatever you want to call it. Um, that way you can show your loyalty and that you're willing to do anything for this group. Um, you, you don't just earn your stripes just by doing whatever, but there's, there, there are certain things that you have to do. And yeah, tattoos is a very symbolic way to show that you're part of something. Um, and, and, and it, and it, and it could be just the simplest, simplest thing from numbers to letters to actual, um, like that logo that they have for the Baltimore, um, clan. So yeah, it, it there's definitely, um, a lot of significance with tattoos. Yeah. What, what have you learned about tattoo placement? I'm sorry. What, what have you learned about tattoo placement? Um, honestly, it just depends on the organ, on the organization, gang, what, whatever you, um, whatever, however they perceive where it gets placed at. Um, a lot of it, what I've noticed, and even in the classes, th any area that you can put it that is visible, whether it's on your face, on your neck, on your arm, something that's, you know, for, for us, you know, when we wear t-shirts, unless it's cold, you're not going to wear a long t-shirt, right? Um, same with your like with your like your neck unless you have to you know unless it's winter you're not wearing a turtleneck like that's not something people usually have so the more visible you can put it um that that at least signifies hey if you're looking at me look at my tattoos look what I'm part of you see what I'm saying so even seeing like Quint well never mind I'm not going to get into the spoilers but the way how Torah has it right on his neck how visible is that like anybody who, you know, especially in, in, in our, in our city, um, you know, people will see that and, and either they're going to know, oh, he's part of, you know, that organization that is off of Aries Street, you know. So the placement has a lot to do um, on how visible you can show it off. Yeah. Well, do we have any uh, other final points before we conclude the episode? On, yeah. On yeah, the, the the thing that the thought just occurred to me as well about Goliath coming back round to the beginning of the episode, um, and also on the um, Air Street Kings photo, he, it seems like his major tattoo is that Ace of Spades on his hand, and he's had that for a really long time, mm -hmm. and that's just such a strong image. As far as we we don't know whether it's a clan or mafia thing, mm -hmm. it might be, but we haven't seen it anywhere else. But we have seen him gamble, and the Ace of Spades is just such a player image isn't it and yeah. that seems to be you know the hand that you know assuming that's his dominant hand that's the hand he puts forward all the time 
the first thing you see about him almost yeah is you know the so could he be left-handed because it's on his left hand right is it on his left i it's on remember. his right hand Oh, is that a right? Okay, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, and and even the placement of his tattoo, you know, it's right. I mean, how you're not going to be able to cover that up. So it's almost like, you know, I want you to know that this is me, you know. Yeah. Right. Very dominant symbol. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, never going to take an office job, right? <laughs> uh, no. Well, unless he puts makeup on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much, Rebecca and Cedra, for coming on. This was fantastic. I really enjoyed this. Yes, it was we had great, a good time. great analysis. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'll catch you all later. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye.